Catholic on Purpose is now the Bab to Catholic Show. Just imagine that every time we say Catholic on Purpose in this episode, we mean the Bab to Catholic Show. Hey guys, another episode of Catholic on Purpose here. Today we'll be talking about the Eucharist, what it is, and how we can live out the truth of it. Stick around. Catholic on Purpose is a show exploring what we believe as Catholics and how we can live it intentionally. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and share. So, the Eucharist. I'm sure that's something that we'll come back to time and again in this show just because there's so many aspects of it and it just is so big. Yeah. This is a topic, like you said, in our conversion stories, which is linked back in episode one, was well, really it was a reason why both of us came to the church, but I think you highlighted and talked yeah. about being kind of the cornerstone reason why you came into the church, really I came into the church, and most converts, if you look at their stories, can be linked back. It's the top, it's one of the top three, if not number one, every single time is the Eucharist. What is communion in the Catholic Church? Yeah. And we'll talk about what that really is. What we are talking about today, what got us onto this topic, I guess, was a recent video of Francis Chan. Um, He is an evangelical preacher. If you don't know much about him, he's probably most well known for his book, Crazy Love. It's very popular in evangelical circles. Um, It's, I guess, older now. I remember it being very popular when I was Mm -hmm. still evangelical. Um, But there's a video going around the internet right now where Francis Chan kind of reaffirms the Catholic belief of the Eucharist, which is definitely a non evangelical belief. Right. It's interesting. The video he's, he's kind of in an outdoor setting really. And he's preaching to a group. You can't really see who he's talking to, but you know, and it's been, it's been put in segments. There's a longer version and we'll, we'll kind of uh, put a link down in the show notes to the uh, short version where he's talking about um, communion and, and the Eucharist. But it's interesting because what he espouses, what he's talking about, sounds very Catholic. And in fact, you know, at a couple of points he says, did you know that there's only one church for like a thousand years? And part of me is like, yeah, man, <laughs> you too, you figured it out too. I know. And it's funny because I, I can definitely remember in our own conversion having those experiences. Like, did you know? And it is like someone surprised you because you've never heard these teachings before. And it's not as if they're not Bible-based. We use the same Bible, essentially. You know, we've got the a few other books that are not part of the Protestant Bible, but would have been part of the Jewish text that Jesus had. Um, but the bread of life discourse in John six never really was talked about in my upbringing as a Protestant. What, what did Jesus mean when he said you must eat and drink in of the son of man? Like what, what did that mean? And why did we just skip over it or maybe push it to the side and say, Oh, well, that's not really what he meant. Right. Um, it's, you know, I can remember in our journey, being those kind of pivotal moments 
where, you know, I'd be reading a conversion story uh, where someone's kind of laying out the biblical case for these quote unquote Catholic, you know, very peculiarly Catholic doctrines and be like, whoa, whoa, wait, why didn't somebody show this to me? This is in my King James version of the Bible. Why, you know, why wasn't I alerted to this? So there's almost a feeling of being gypped a little bit, right? Yeah. It's like, man, somebody should have at least just told me, even if I hadn't agreed. Yeah, like somebody was putting the blinders on me to ignore it almost because it just would never did come up. So I felt I felt kind of validated when he said, you know, I didn't know that. You know, did you know that for the first 1500 years uh, that the Christian church believed that communion, the bread and wine was the real body, blood, but body and blood of Jesus. I was like, yeah, man, I didn't either until <laughs> a few years ago. So it's exciting. So with this, you know, viral video coming out of Francis Chan, you know, this evangelical leader discovering maybe for the first time this understanding of the Eucharist, I thought it'd be very important on this podcast to talk about what do Catholics believe about the Eucharist, the bread and the wine at Mass, what happens there, what makes it special, what's different from about our understanding than the evangelical or any other understanding of, of what communion is. So, in the Catholic Church, we believe that it's actually the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus, that it's not just some kind of a a symbol. Um, I can remember growing up having that idea that when we participated in communion, it was a very reverent affair. It was different. I can remember growing up those, whatever, four times a year or so that we did participate in communion. It was, it was a somber sort of thing. We were remembering Jesus's sacrifice for us on the cross and his resurrection. We were partaking in that grape juice in the Baptist <laughs> church, not wine, uh, but we were partaking in that and we were taking to the unleavened bread in a symbolic way, but it was, it was a very deep way. Um, but as Catholics, it has a whole nother layer to it, doesn't it, Aaron? Doesn't it, Aaron? Yeah. So, um, and we have to kind of understand that and be aware that it's not just a symbol, uh, but it's as if Jesus Christ himself is really truly present to you, you know, as he was in front of his disciples, you know, 2,000 years ago. Right. So you're right after the resurrection in his glorified body. So it's almost like we are there. As the doubting Thomas in Christ is saying, touch my wounds. We are t- so fully there with him that we could right. reach out and touch those wounds. And that's mm-hmm. how viscerally we Catholics really believe in the presence of Christ in the Eucharist. So if you believe that, it, it changes how you, I mean, it just changes your whole worldview almost. Mm-hmm. How you treat that bread and wine. I can remember growing up in the Baptist church. <laughs> <laughs> after, you know, yeah. after we had communion, I'd go to the back and my grandmother, bless her, she would be the one who who prepared that unleavened bread for the service. And buddy, there'd be extras. And, <laughs> and this old boy waddle, waddle back there and shove my face full. <laughs> I'd shove my face full of that unleavened bread and, and drink those little bitty, I thought it was cool because they were little bitty shot glasses almost of grape juice. I'd just throw them back, you know, one right after the other. <laughs> Fast forward now. Yeah. That that doesn't happen. Why? Because we believe it really becomes him and we have to treat it as him. And so it's really beautiful, you know, to see the priest and often the deacon after mass, how reverently they treat what's left over from after communion. You know, if one little thing, if one little piece of the Eucharist hits the floor, there's a whole set of procedures that go around making sure 
um, that that's treated with dignity and respect, that it's either consumed or disposed of in in an appropriate way. Because of our belief Belief. in the true presence, the real identity of that bread and wine being Christ. So a lot of people will balk at this and say, Oh, come on. If you took that bread, if you took that wine, you put it under a microscope, Casey, you're going to find bread. You're going to find wine. And to that, as a Catholic, we would say, yes, 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 sure. Unless, you know, uh, the Lord intervenes in some uh, another miraculous way and makes it physically. But a little bit about someone by the name of St. Thomas of Aquinas, maybe you've heard of him, <laughs> kind of clear clarified this and kind of put some terms to what we believe as Catholics about this. And the big word that often gets, you know, batted around is transubstantiation, transubstantiation. So just a little bit about what that is. It's, it's basically that what we believe is during the mass, when the priest through his words uh, in the mass, right? uh, The host and the wine change in substance to the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ while maintaining the accidents of bread and wine. So physically, you know, it still tastes like bread, it smells like bread, it, it looks like wine, it tastes like wine. If you put it under a microscope, it, it would probably say all of that. But something in its substance has changed. All analogies fail, but one I really like uh, when I'm thinking about this is um, the role of a father or a mother. You know, I as a father, you know, the, 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 the day that we found out that, you know, Aaron was pregnant for the first time, mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a special day. And I can remember, you know, kind of that all that goes around that, you know, I'm still the same Casey that I was like, if you put my arm under, you know, a microscope and you, you know, drill down, <laughs> yeah, I'm still the same guy. And if, you know, that, that second before conception and that second after, you know, still the same person, but something in me substantially changed. I became Absolutely. a father, right. That I, I wasn't before, no matter how much I wanted to try to be or act like I could not be. Till that second after I became a father. Now that analogy fails, and obviously it's not the best, you know, when you were comparing it to what happens at Mass and the Eucharist, but there's something similar there. Yes, there's nothing, a physical change really, but there is a substantive change. My isness has changed. I am a father and I wasn't before. So uh, the early church taught this, and I think this is really important when we're engaging with people. Maybe you're listening to this podcast and you're not Catholic, and you're like, I, I, don't, I can't get on board with that. Uh, you know, Where do you find that in Scripture? It's very important. You can find it in Scripture. You also can find it in the early witness of the church. What did those people teach You know, the, the, the decades, uh, the centuries right after you know, Jesus ascended into heaven and kind of turned his church loose onto <laughs> the world? They were as Francis Chan found out, very, very Catholic. They were Catholic. They believed in this real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. So the other church taught the same thing as what we're talking about today. And in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which we're always going to go back to for our teachings as as Catholics, in in paragraph 1375, there are a few good um, quotes here on the Eucharist and the beliefs of the early church. Aaron's going to read one from St. Ambrose, um, who lived and worked around in the 3rd century, so way back. Yeah. So he said, Be convinced that this is not what nature has formed, but what the blessing has consecrated. The power of the blessing prevails over that of nature, because by the blessing, 
nature itself is changed. Could not Christ's word, which can make from nothing what did not exist, change existing things into what they were not before? It is no less a feat to give things their original nature than to change their nature. I thought that was so profound. I just found that so profound because not only does it recognize that Christ is the source of all things, but also that through him, he can make whatever into whatever. And not only can that give hope for the Eucharist and substantiate that claim, but it does also give hope to you that Christ can change you. Right. And even though on the outside you may look the same, under a microscope you look the same, thank goodness Christ can come into you and mm-hmm. completely change your isness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he can totally turn it around. I think this is this is often a sticking point. Like, oh come on, do you really believe that it's really him? You know, but this is the same God that we believe created ex nihilo, right? He took nothing and there was something. So is it really that much of a stretch to believe that he can take through the words of a priest, which are, you know, really God communicating this power through him. It's not something special per se about the priest himself, other than that's God's chosen instrument, the words of the priest, you know, to confect that change. So I I think it's, you know, it's so crucial. So very important to understand this teaching. So how do we live this out as Catholics? I think the primary way is by going to Mass, participating in the Mass. Obviously, at least as Catholics, on Sundays, minimum. Um, But finding time in your week that you can say, okay, like, can I go to an extra daily Mass? It's not going to happen for everybody. I understand that completely. I have been very blessed to be in a position I work part-time, and then I'm home with the kids through the week for the most part. And I am in a position that I can go to daily Mass quite a bit through the week. And I cannot tell you how much that impact has had on me to start my day with Christ. To start with everything through that primary lens in my day. But why why go to Mass? I think... Christ said it best in John 6, 53. He says, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. So if you're not taking the Eucharist minimally once a week, you're not living. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you can say that enough. If you don't have the Eucharist, you don't have Christ. And where are you going in life? Yeah, you know th- what I mean. Yeah, I think this is where the church, in her wisdom, you know, takes Jesus's words very, very seriously in John six. You know, this is kind of the linchpin of our understanding of the Eucharist and why we believe it's really, you know, Jesus's body, blood, soul, and divinity, and not a symbol. Is because he told us as much in John six, and he, and in fact, he emphatically stated it so many times that the people who were previously following him in John six, verse sixty six. Coincidence? I think mm-hmm. not. 
Uh, but in John 6, verse 66, they say they can't handle this. This is too hard of a teaching, and they leave. Now, if Jesus were just being symbolic or you know something with his language, and those people misunderstood him because they really thought he was talking about his body and blood. You know, they, they even asked him, you know, how can we eat his body? Oh, that just, you know, that, that was disturbing and rightly so. Um, if they turned and walked away, wouldn't Jesus say to them, oh, hold on, guys. I was, I was being symbolic. You don't, you didn't understand that point. Why would they, why would Jesus let them walk away possibly to their perdition? Why? And again, with the going to mass, you know, putting this into action, going to mass on Sunday, so being so very important. I think people often get hung up on that. Well, it's an obligation. The church says I have to go to mass on Sundays. I think you're missing the point. If that's you know really, if that's the mindset that you're coming from, because just like a good mother, which the church is our mother, it's saying you know Jesus said, our Lord said, we need His flesh, we need His blood to sustain ourselves spiritually. You need to go at least once a week. You need to you know. So it's it's the church looking out for us, and obviously the more we can get there, the better. Yeah. And when we are looking at the Eucharist in Mass and receiving Christ into ourselves, we really need to look at, too, preparing ourselves mm-hmm. to receive Christ. Sure. Um, and part of that is mental, just recognizing this is Jesus coming into me. And my goodness, what an amazing miracle. We don't say that word lightly. It really is a miracle that Christ would come to us at every Mass, wow, and come into us, that He would want to be with us that fully. So part of that is a mental preparation before we go to Mass, but part of it too is just making sure that our soul is ready to receive the Lord so fully into ourselves. Um, Yeah, going to confession. That's a big (laughs) one, right? Uh, Of course, that's another episode and you know, another topic that could take, you know, several episodes to talk about. But um, going to the sacrament of reconciliation, you know, sitting before a priest and, you know, just unloading all those uh, sins, you know, whether mortal or venial or whatever. Um, that's a good way of getting our souls ready. And it, I mean, and it's just preparing you and it, you're constantly then aware that, what I'm about to do when I'm going to Mass on Sunday, this isn't just some thing that I check a box with. This is where I'm going to receive Jesus' body, blood, soul, and divinity. I need to take it seriously. Maya culpa for when I don't do that, and it's often. Um, but if we can you know, just keep that mental awareness of who you're going to receive, then I think you know, our week and our lives would be different. Yeah. Another thing that is important for a lot of people Um, we don't particularly travel for work a lot. I'm a nurse and Casey's a teacher, so there's not a whole lot of travel. You mean stay around here. (laughs) Not a whole lot of travel involved. But um, for a lot of our friends, it is such a witness when they travel for work or for whatever that they do have to find a time to go to Mass wherever they are. And for them to tell their coworkers or whoever they're with, oh yeah, by the way, I'm going to have to go out for a while this morning or whenever and go to mass. I'm going to have to find a mass time. That automatically leads to a conversation. Well, why can't you just skip it? Why do you, why do you have to do that? That's weird. Don't Mm -hmm. you think that you could just not go this one time? So it is important to know 
Why? Because those questions are going to come up. So being able to answer those questions when you're that weird person that has to go to mass is such a witness to people when they don't know, like Francis Chan and Casey and I didn't know that that's what the church teaches. Um, And even for us, we've got, we've got three children and from an early age during mass, we, we affirm this teaching through the mass a lot. When we say, when the priest says during mass, behold the lamb of God, he holds up the Eucharist and he says, behold the lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who call to the supper of the lamb. And one, my kids hear me always say, this is mommy's favorite part <laughs> yeah. because I, I love Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. I think that's such a beautiful part of the mass. But I also tell the kids, there's Jesus. No. From, I mean, our youngest is 16 months old now. So we, we've been telling her that for a while now. There's Jesus. Look, it's Jesus. So that it's almost like a friend mm-hmm. that she's coming to see. Oh, there's Jesus. In the body and blood of the Mass, in the Eucharist. I think that's really put a lot of things in perspective for our children. Our oldest is five, John Paul. And he is at this point just very excited for his first Eucharist. He's very funny about it. Uh, Like he was writing on the sidewalk one day in chalk and he had written out some numbers and like circled the number seven. I was like, why did you circle that? You're five years old. (laughs) And he was like, that's when I get the body and blood. And he's just so excited about that. You know, he's not always, he's -hmm. not always that on point with Mm -hmm. everything, but he is, he does know that that's what we believe. And if kids don't know what they believe, then they're not going to, continue that faith into adulthood. And, you know, I think that same model, obviously, you know, ratcheted up a little bit for maturity. It it works across the board with people. If you are excited about your faith, if you're intentional on what you believe, if you're going to mass regularly, if you're, um, when the opportunity arises, if you're talking about your faith, you know, that's going to rub off on people. Our faith, thanks be to God, and uh, and despite of all of our sins and mess ups, is transferring. You know, right now they're seeing that they're picking it up, picking it up. Hopefully, the people we work with, the people that we interact with daily, are seeing something a little bit different about ourselves that attracts them. You know, ever so slightly to the faith. Yeah, and that really brings us to a, another how to live out the truth of the Eucharist, and that's by going to adoration. Um, I, I already said that a lot of the time people don't get a chance to go to daily mass. And for example, Casey doesn't get to go to daily mass that often, but he does get to go to adoration pretty regularly um, because he works in a Catholic school that's attached to a cathedral with a 24 hour adoration right. chapel. So I know that that's not an, an ideal for everybody, but to be able to go sit in the presence of the Lord, even in, if it's not in a monstrance exposed adoration, if it's maybe in a tabernacle to go sit 
and put yourself in the presence of God. And even to bring your fears, your doubts, your anxieties, even in regards to this teaching, this teaching of the Eucharist that is hard and people leave over it. It is hard. And I think Christ understands those doubts, those misunderstandings. You don't know really bring all of that to him in the Eucharist. I think a lot of, I think a lot of people get worked up. Well, I, you know, I don't have everything figured out, so I need to stay away from the church. I would say that was the opposite of what you need to do. And adoration is the perfect place to be able to kind of just lay yourself bare before the Lord. And those of you, maybe you're listening to this, you're like, what is adoration, Casey? I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Um, well, you know, an adoration chapel, some churches have an adoration chapel where the Eucharist, so the, so the bread, which during the Mass, you know, as we said, is is transformed into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus, is put inside of a monstrance. And it's just this beautiful um, way of, of, of showing it and keeping it, you know, before the people so that you can literally go in and sit down in front of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament in uh, this monstrance. And so just to be able to sit in the presence of the Lord with your doubts, with your fears and your anxieties, um, and let him work on you, yeah. you know, let him work on you. You know, you don't have to have it all figured out, um, but just sit there and trust that the Lord will yeah. work in your life. The last thing I think we wanted to talk about were small things that we can do to kind of recognize the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist Um Things like genuflecting, kneeling, and bowing reverence to the Eucharist. So genuflecting is one knee down, and we do that to the tabernacle. The Eucharist is not exposed. We would kneel if there was an exposed Eucharist in a monstrance. Um, bowing to an altar, which right. there's Where the not, sacrifice takes place. Yeah, right? there's not the, the tabernacle behind it, but... The altar is there, and that is where Jesus will become, will come down Mm -hmm. um, into the Eucharist. And doing those gestures, you know, I think oftentimes we can get it all, get in a hurry, or late for Mass, whatever, and we just kind of halfway do them. But remember, especially for ourselves and especially for our kids, you know, these gestures mean something. They're safeguarding something about what we believe is Catholic. So when we hit one knee, before we enter our pew at mass and we, and we genuflect before the tabernacle, that action in and of itself is proclaiming something about who we believe is there with us. And that's the really present Christ body, blood, soul, and divinity. If we thought it were a symbol, that would be idolatry to genuflect before him. And, Mm -hmm. you know, in adoration when he's exposed, if we were to get down on our knees before something that we really thought were bread, that would be, you know, a severe form of idolatry. We're worshiping bread, <laughs> little golden cow. <laughs> right, exactly right. And so it's something we take seriously. And those actions really, truly mean something. And so they can form us in a way to continue to remember who is it that we're here for? What are we doing? Yeah. For us personally, we also are those crazy, weird Catholics that um, cross ourselves as we pass any Catholic church, and our kids know that before we past the Catholic church that's pretty close to our house, um, we'll say, okay, we're about to pass Jesus. And so we do cross ourselves then. And for us, that is a way of just caught, not taught, you know? Right. 
showing what we believe through just our simple actions of saying, one, here comes Jesus. Jesus is actually there. And two, we are giving respect, honor, glory to him through signing ourselves with the cross. So until next time, make sure to subscribe and share with whoever you think would benefit from our podcast and make sure you're living this week as Catholics on purpose.